0: here's your host Alex as breaks my
1: I will tell you this song is pretty beautiful and it's by Ginny Owens and uh, I am I am excited to present my buddy Danny voice in just a minute. To Keep It Real with Alex Garrett. And then you can find it podcasted and archived at the Abilities Hour. Because this is going to be an Abilities Hour episode. Um, but I also want to keep it on the mainstream. So it will be on Alex Garrett, Keep It Real. For outlets, they may not cover this whole podcast page. Enough explaining myself. I want to get down to something that's been burning in my soul because I mentioned it with uh, Ed Delgado, I mentioned it with Mike Myers, what I mentioned was about consent and not the obvious consent of sexual relations. I mean consent of us consenting to the government's every demand, which seemingly is something that we've done often during this whole time. And I learned about consent in the the government form in media studies. I learned about it in Orwell the way that Napoleon and Snowball were fighting for position of the animal farm. And I learned it through Noam Chomsky and manufacturer consent. And I thought I learned it from Orwell as well. I thought we covered Orwell in 1984 and other things that he was discussing with with government control. But nothing has hit it harder for me in my adventures reading about this than what Wheaton School of Economics, Wharton School of Economics of the University of Pennsylvania professor Edward S. Herman has cited in a book called Orwell's Beautiful Fit to America which was published, interestingly enough, on November 3rd, 2016. I'm sure Professor uh, Herman has a reason why he waited to publish it that day, which happened to be, oh, I don't know, Election Day? Anyway, he cites a man named Walter Lippmann, who wrote a classic called Public Opinion. And what Lippmann argues is that the common interest, sometimes called the national interest, very largely eludes public opinion entirely and can be managed only by a specialized class who whose personal interests reach beyond the locality responsible men who must manufacture consent among the thoughtless masses sound too deep for you i guess it is are we thoughtless no Are those fighting masks thoughtless in one sense of the health way? Yes, but you can also see that they're also dealing with the fact that they feel the government is telling them what to do and has been telling them what to do. And you can apply this to war, this one line of what Walter Lippmann was saying, you can apply it to war, but I do believe you can apply it to this whole thing. I do believe you can apply the eluding of the public opinion entirely to the shutdown of America. We did not have a say. We did not get to vote state by state. Hey, do we really want this? Do we really have the numbers that back it up? We guys said, all right, this is what has to happen to stay safe. And flattening the curve is still a must. I'm not discounting the fact that in Florida right now, they had 9,400 new cases. And... Another amount, high amount of deaths That's terrible This virus is real But have you seen their total According to the Florida Department of Health Nearly 370,000 Confirmed cases 5,200 deaths Not nearly What we've faced in New York City So to point Those stats as a reason to lock down Entirely That state anyway doesn't make sense We don't want it climbing. Yes, that is true. But I think DeSantis is trying to say, well, here are some numbers that you might want to know and maybe report on. And so, we have the ability to not consent to everything. We do. (laughs) Believe it or not. And at the same time, I will say... Wear the mask if you cannot be six feet apart outdoors or indoors. Mainly indoors, however. So, all I'm saying is I'm glad there's not a national mandate that states do have the right to choose whether required or not. But please, be mindful. And wear the mask if you cannot maintain six feet of distance, especially indoors. But what was a mandate, in one way or another, was this whole quarantining process. And Mr. Lippman, by the way, would go on to write Woodrow's 14 points, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points, which is a big historical document. If you want a refresher, I will tell you, because quite frankly, I don't. Remember, what it was was a statement of principles of peace to end World War One. Of course, the arms were put down, and the war was won. Then we come back to the Triple Entente on April sixth, nineteen seventeen. And then Wilson makes a what many considered uh, progressive ideals, translated into foreign policy: free trade, open agreements, democracy, and self determination. Wow, that was a thing back then. And the fourteen points were based on research. Of the inquiry, a team about 150 advisors led by a foreign policy advisor, Edward M. House. But, here was the 14 points, just for more clarity. Open covenants of peace. Freedom of navigation among the seas. Equality of trade conditions, something we're fighting for today. And I've gotten with the USMCA the national armaments will be reduced like uh, stockpiling proliferation and usage of small arms <laughs> to the lowest point consistent with domestic safety. So with this 14 points definitely one gun control. A free, open-minded and absolutely impartial adjustment of all colonial claims. Evacuation of all Russian territory and a settlement of all questions. Affecting Russia that will secure the best and freest cooperation of the other nations of the world in order in obtaining for her an unhammed, hampered, and unembarrassed opportunity for her own de- political development. So, even in the 1918s, through these 14 points, they wanted Russia to be a free society, which it never got to be. Uh, you can read the whole thing, I'm not going to go. But this man that I'm referencing tonight, Walt, or this morning, Walter Lippmann. Saying it very clearly. The national interest. Is largely eluding. Public opinion entirely. It's no wonder then that. He was tapped to help the 14 points drafting. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Wilson knew. It, It seems like he knew to tap the on the ground people. Seeing. What Americans wanted. And these 14 points. Based on 150 advisors. I would hope. Did do that. Gain American reaction. To how to end that World War I. In a best safe and victorious way. So if we can heed the word. Of Walter Lippmann. That would be great. Maybe it's time we are wary. Of the word national interest. Maybe it's time. Especially because this time around, they said it was in the interest of America to shut down, pretty much. And they shut us down. Without our consent. This conversation isn't done. There's actually a website, nationalinterest.org, which I recommend you check out. And, of course, Orwell, his work lives on. Mr. Lippman's work lives on and I would highly recommend studying up as I'm going to do in the days to come. Because how do we make sure the public opinion, the we, the people, is so, so much more incorporated in these big decisions? Maybe national interest has an idea. Maybe you have an idea. Alex.Garrett21 at yahoo.com Alex.Garrett21 at yahoo.com now before I get to Danny, one last thing. I've been thinking a lot about how people say the city's not going to come back, the city's dead. Last time we were told we were dead was by a, supposedly a president of the United States. If you looked at the headline in the newspapers, Ford to City Dropped Dead. That headline has a history all of itself. I don't have time to get into it. You can research that. But my headline, Garrett to NYC, we're not dead. You know why we're not dead? Because there have been business owners that have survived and reopened their restaurants, their business. You know why we're not dead? Because we can still see, many of us can see the light of day, thank God, as we hope to end this pandemic in the weeks to come. So if you're able to wake up, if you're able to own your business, if you are able to just survive this pandemic, know that you are not dead. Know that you are in a city that is not dead. And the best way to address it is to correct it now before it becomes a lesser city. We're on the brink sure, but we're not dead. Tell that to Cuomo and, and de Blasio. Maybe it'll wake him up. Tell them we have the ability to resurrect this. That we're not dead. That this isn't a dead cause. New York City is not a dead cause, people. We have abilities. And I'm going to throw it right now to my buddy Danny Voice. And we talk about his abilities in this edition of the Abilities Hour on Alex Garrett Podcasting. I'm trying to spotlight people. That uh, yes, aren't in the news every day, but literally, this kid has been this kid, this man, uh, Danny Voice. You have been in the news, actually. You've been in the newspapers and you uh, you have a, a very unique disability, as, as many people do in the community, right? And by the way, welcome. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so I was born with Vanderbilt and
0: a couple of other things. Um, but the main thing is quite a bit for um, I have the there's three types. Um, I have the most severe type, so I'm partially uh, paralyzed and always down. Uh, so I'm in a power chair. Um, I've had, and I'm not proud of it. 62 surgeries
1: and I'm only going to be 30 in September. It kind of feels like we're old people by now because of all the medical stuff we've had, right? I'm sure you feel that way. Yeah. So you're only 30 and that's a miracle in and of itself that you've made it to 30. So yeah. as you get older and this month comes around, this month of July, how much more prouder of the ADA do you get knowing what you've been through and yet here's an outlet where yes, Americans with disabilities are honored uh, this month.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm very glad that um, they have a month that um, puts uh, puts a light on people with disabilities and the ADA. Um, without the ADA, I wouldn't have the quality of life that I have now. Um, and I wouldn't have all the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accommodations. Yeah. That
1: I need. Danny does, because this month I also believe is in, about empowering, right? So yeah. Like, even in the community, we could do better to empower those who are also disabled within this community? Like, I feel like that needs to happen more, no?
0: Yes, it does. Um, so I'm, I'm in a lot of physical, um, disability groups on Facebook and from what I can see, I would say most people in those groups are depressed and have a negative attitude towards their disability. Um, they don't seem to um see that there are ways to live life with their disability mm. um and all they can see is that they can't do anything. all they can do is sit around and do nothing, go on Facebook, do nothing, but that's not true you can. You can have a full life. You just yep. need to know where to look.
1: Danny, it, it's why I'm, I'm very excited every time you show me pictures of you going outside. Yeah, you went to the pond. Uh, ladies and gentlemen on this podcast, here's a man. He's got breathing issues. We've got spinal bits. He is someone, and I guess because I'm at risk too, uh, people would say, why aren't they inside? Well, we don't want to be inside, okay? We believe, right? And I know you probably believe that you can do this. Who come mm-hmm. out right, And we need to get that message out there more. Yeah. I totally agree on that. And so how do you do it? You go to these chats, and I'm sure you're an outlet for many to just vent, and then maybe you, you uplift them. Would you say that?
0: Yeah, um, some of them, yes. Um, others, I uh, fight, well, I wouldn't say fight, but I get into a little disagreements with because they're just stubborn with
1: mm-hmm.
0: the negativity
1: and why do you think do you think and I love all the parents in the disabled community let me put that out there I love your parents yeah I met your mom uh, at the rehab center where you were great woman yeah people I've gone to school with have had amazing parents but those our parents are kind of a different breed like they really are the ones that say you're going to do something today Yet, I do think yeah. households with kids with disabilities don't handle it as well and probably don't empower their kids. Would you say that's accurate?
0: Yes, I would. I think most, um, from what I've seen in uh, the disability groups, is that um, their parents um, are either not there for them or they shelter them um, too much, so they don't know anything.
1: And they don't know how to strike a balance, um, yeah, between anything, actually. So exactly, those who can speak up, what should be our goal? What should be our message? what What should be the what should these platforms be used for? Maybe that they aren't being used for right now.
0: Um, to to advocate for ourselves and to let others know, mainly able-bodied people, that we're people too and that we can pretty much do anything that they can mm-hmm. we just have to find a different way
1: and yeah exactly but also I think we need a, we need to try and light that even the disabled community it's like a family we do have arguments we do have people that maybe get bullied within the community that is just the truth wouldn't you say Yeah. and so how do we change that culture because I think that conversation needs to be had too
0: good question i I don't know because that's in every uh, different community um I know there's bullying in the within the gay community yep um, and you and the, uh, minorities uh, the, the blacks latinos Asians, we all have the bullying right. within
1: our own community. But I think it's important to talk about that because I think sometimes I had to say, but able-bodied people might say, oh, look at this kid. Well, no, uh, you want to step inside? We are rough and tumble people, you know? Yeah. I think that message also needs to get out as well. Exactly. That we, we can deal with it. We, we I think having a disability has kind of given us the thicker skin than most. I agree,, but where would you say the limit is Because I know sometimes someone could say something that hurts, so what what's your limit between taking a joke and saying well that's not that's not really cool
0: well to me uh, nothing actually offends me, so anybody can say anything to me i don't care that's the only The only thing that bothers me is um um there's a, a couple of phrases that I, people use that I don't I don't agree with. Um one is when they say someone's in a wheelchair, yes we are, but we also
1: use a wheelchair. Wow, that's that so that's kind of what the logo is now, right? Instead of a guy sitting in a wheelchair, it's literally someone rolling in his wheelchair. That's, yeah. That's the visual of what you're saying there. Yeah. And
0: um I'm um, mm-hmm. um, also when they say um confined to a wheelchair? No. That's we can we can get in and out of our wheelchairs. Uh we might need help, but we can still do it. Mm-hmm. And um the other one is um wheelchair bound.
1: No. Danny, you know, I've known you for what, a few years now and you yeah. tell around about everything, but in my head I'm just thinking, sometimes I don't know if I know all of Danny's story. So do you want to share it with us a little more than maybe I would even know?
0: Sure. Okay. Um what's a good story? <laughs> oh, I don't think you know this one. Um, which has a, has to do with the ADA actually. Um about five years ago. Um, my mom came across this, um, news article that she, uh, kept from, from like years, years ago saying that if there's any, um, uh, issues within, the, uh, within your town, uh, call, the, call the newspaper and they'll do a story on it. So, there's a, um shopping center near me five minutes away um and um before five years ago they only had like two handicap spots and they weren't even near the main entrance like they're supposed to um and also they didn't have the um the uh spaces for the ramp um um, for the van, the van with the of the lamb. Um, so my mom called uh newsday, uh, called that number, and told them what uh what her concerns were, and then my mom um they they agreed to do this this story, and my mom thought it would be a great idea to take me along to this shopping plant center to meet up with a woman. Um and uh we talked to the woman, we told her exactly what um our concerns were. We showed her the two handicap spots that were in the shopping center and so Newsday followed up with the landlord of the um of the shopping center and said um uh if you don't comply with the ADA within a certain amount of time, you're gonna be fined uh, X amount of dollars. Uh so uh within I'd say a couple of months, uh they complied and uh they had they added in like five more um, no, three more to make five. Um, uh, Danielle, so One, one right in the middle. Um,
1: right in the front. I feel the need to say this. You might be disabled, but you're not one to always look for a lawsuit. You know what I mean? And yep. you you really fought for that one because it it mattered. That one was worth fighting for. But yeah, I think now if if you wanted to talk about it. The fact that many do just use ADA as like a card to just sue and do anything—that's not right either, right?
0: No, that's not right either. Uh, ADA um is for um it can be used for anything um like if you um if you need a service animal um any kind of accommodations for your job or school, um, even if you need, um, accommodations, uh, of for where you live, um, if you need, like, an aid or something, um, they cannot deny you any of that because of the ADA.
1: But, right, and at the same time, I think it's the responsibility that those in the disabled community have to not weaponize the ADA. Yeah, exactly. So do you do you find yourself talking to those who say, I want to use the ADA to do this, and then you'll be, do you ever talk to people who, who feel that and then say, well, let's think about it before you actually do it? Do you ever get to those conversations?
0: I haven't really gotten into any of those conversations. Um, mostly because I don't, Know anyone who used the ADA to weaponize?
1: Well, that's good. And that means we're in a good circle. You know, that means you're in a good circle. Um, Although I will tell you a great story. I thought Max at the Smithsonian, Max Gold, was really heroic in the way he did that. Yes, definitely. That was an act. That's almost patriotism right there. Um, I know the story better than me. I just know he went to Smithsonian. I think it was a plane he couldn't get into or something to that effect
0: it was um a flight simulator um he, him and his brother went and um the um to get to the flight simulator they had to go up some stairs um, cuz apparently there was no elevator uh, to get up there um and so his his brother decided to carry him up the stairs mm-hmm. and um, a security guard or someone who worked there, saw them and came running, yelling at them to stop and like but he wants to go in the simulator and he he the only way I can he can is uh for me to carry him there and um and they're like, well you need two legs. To uh, work the flight simulator and
1: oh, uh,
0: so I'm hard. out of it. I'm out of that completely. Then, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, and Max only had one, and so uh, from my understanding, is um, his brother was going to go in the simulator with him to so he can use his legs while Max uses his arms for the whatever, and um there was a whole big argument between those two and the uh worker at the smithsonian and uh max uh told them he's going to sue them for discrimination he did and he won he did
1: he did, he did definitely win and what short-sightedness of the Smithsonian in, in that case? Yes. Yeah. And so th- those are good. Um, but, oh, okay, so let me ask you this. So what can we do better in the, as a disabled community? What can we do better to truly be part of society? I feel like there's a whole we need to stand out because there was, I'm like, well, do we need to stand out or do we just have to be with society? So, I don't know, maybe I'm controversial saying that, but I just think we could do things differently, which is saying, yes, we will fight for what we deserve, but also we will be so measured with that, that you won't, even though we have an issue, because we're not going to talk about it all the time. I think there has to be that balance.
0: Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, I think what we need to do within within our community is, um, is to get rid of the negativity towards uh disability um, within our our community, so that way the rest of the world can see that oh, they are valuable to our society um they can do what we can do just in a different way, yep. and we need to let them uh, work and
1: do everything else. That we do, that they do. Danny, tell me about your college days because you did have some college days, and you're still looking to go back. And I, I am, I am so proud of that you're not giving up on that. So tell us about that.
0: Okay, so I've been a college student on and off for about ten, eleven years now. Um, got my associates in 2013 and. Uh, Nassau Community College then went to Hofstra for like a semester and a half because I had some medical issues and I lost my scholarship to Hofstra because of it and they wouldn't uh, do anything about it. Um, So I decided to go back to Nassau to get my associates because I went for two years and transferred to Hofstra came back to NASA, got my associates, graduated with Max. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then I went, we were looking for another college for me to go to that was close by because of Ava Ryan. Um, so we we chose Malloy because um, it's five minutes away. Um, and I started in the fall of 2013 and i'm and I'm still doing there um but within those six, seven years, I've had a lot of medical issues that made me withdraw like like so many times, and they're they're still willing to have me back when I'm ready.
1: That's a beautiful thing and and cool yeah on that. Uh, Do you find that other disabled students have that same kind of uh, opportunity granted to them if they get sick, or are some colleges hard-lined about this?
0: Well, I know, I don't know, uh, I don't know about now since I haven't been there in uh, seven years, but when I was at Hofstra, I know that even though Hofstra was uh, basically uh, built. For people with disabilities, uh, mm. um, th- they weren't very accommodating for me when it came to my medical issues um, because, um, again, I lost my scholarship because my grades were not what they wanted. But that wasn't my fault, so I kind of, kind of felt I like I, I got
1: screwed over by them. Hmm. Danny, this is um this is interesting because I'm I'm trying to think of a, not Vassar, What is that? Vested. Did you ever need vested? And and did you Oh have- yeah,
0: yes, uh, yes. When I started nursing at sort of community college, it, that's when um, vested started to help me. Um. And they've been helping me uh ever since, but um just recently, because I haven't been to school in over two years now um they they called like two months ago saying um asking me what my plans were, I told them um and he said okay we're, we're going to close your case right now um." But when you're ready to go back, give us a call and we'll
1: reopen your case. That is great, and I hope that happens sooner than later. Yeah, me too, Danny. Let's be honest, though. Some in the disa- some in the community may not know about resources or may not want to look into them. Exactly. The part of of empowering the disabled community is just, hey, here's some resources. Go find them and and work with them. Yeah.
0: But like you said, um, I've going back to the Facebook sentiment and um, they uh, I've seen a lot of people complain that about this and that, um, and not being able to do this and that, and it's like, and I've commented quite a few times saying. Good. Um, there are resources out there go find them and mm. they're just so stubborn um, sure. that they're like nah I'm not they, they would fight me on it saying like oh no I'm not doing that or oh you don't know what you're talking about Um,
1: are you considered too optimistic by some would you say yeah I would and that's a shame because I think you're bursting them. Every post, Danny Voice post, by the way, bursts with positivity. Okay, there's not, even if there's a down day, I think you have a way to say, you know what, I had a day. Mm-hmm. Got them here. And I think we all have to have that attitude. Like, we have, our- yeah. you know what, we're getting through them. Exactly. Now, I don't know how personal you want to get. I know you've been writing about it and it's kind of something we share similarly. But and it's something that actually we've worked through together in, in many ways because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've been having some stomach stuff lately and you've been like, yeah, well, you know, we can kind of relate on that, uh, which which is very rare. I don't about the colostomy. Um, I know you had that thrown on you very late in life, like, like in your like last year or two years ago. Right? Two years ago, yeah. So that's a 20, you're going to be 30, that's 28 years old. Yep. I guess for me, I wouldn't know what that's like because I've had it on since birth. Yeah. However, I've had my issues with it. I don't like really come public with it, but I've had, since I was a kid, I had issues because when the bag breaks and it smells it's just not pleasant. Yeah. However, you're getting help for that situation and I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I think that's very good that you're seeking outreach to figure out how to combat this rather than internalize it.
0: Yeah, so I've had a me for well, okay. It's a little complicated but um my first colostomy was two years ago. It wasn't working well, um, and an official opened up and that's how it came out everything came out. So they said, Okay, wait a year and we'll fix everything. So last year they fixed everything and they gave me a new cloth to me that actually worked. Um, of course, I've had like issues with it, um, but everything uh, within the last two three months, everything seems to be calm calming down with with it, and we have more of a handle on it. On it, yeah. In the la- in the last couple of weeks, I've had some weeks and everything, but. Um, it doesn't affect me like you usually did, um, because I'm. Well, first of all, I'm used to it by now. But also, it's just like there's nothing to really get upset about.
1: No. Um. No, it's not. In fact, I mean, for me, I've had some hilarious stories, which I don't know if I want to get into. But that that happens too. But you just have a mentality through anything we go through, right? The yeah. The mental and, attitude is so important.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I was, I think the reason why, or at least one reason why I was so um, mad when whenever I had a week was because I was depressed. Mm. I was depressed for two years because of everything that happened with me. And I I wasn't used to having a colostomy, so every time it leaves, I was, I got angry about it. And even up up until, like, March, April of this year, I was still mad. But I went, I've been going for counseling over the phone, of course, Um, actually now on FaceTime. Um, Nice. And... Um yeah, finally um, and we've been working through it um within um about a month or two after I started my counseling um I started to um feel better about uh the weeks and everything, not as angry about it um I just let it be. Um, and um, then just recently, like I told you uh, earlier, um, I had a talk with my urologist about everything that happened in the past two years. Um, I asked him about exactly what happened, how it happened, and why, we were why out it most happened. Of
1: that, right? What? You were kind of knocked out for most of those procedures, No.
0: Yeah, I was knocked up for every, every one of those. So you
1: would you, um, really, no, you kind of woke up and it was there, and then it's like, how do I adjust to this type of
0: thing? Yeah, um, because of, huh. the, the the way I found out about having a cross, it was by my parents. It wasn't even by the doctor. Hmm.
1: You know, every day I think, and I, was, I hear Danny, by the way, because there was a stretch that, I didn't hear from you for a week and I was like, what happened? What's going on? Yeah. And here we are. And I think that's a gift from God, if, if anything. It definitely is. How do you feel being vulnerable about this and able to just talk about um, that you're having counseling and, and able to even share on these pages you're on about the asthma. That has to feel somewhat empowering, doesn't it? It does.
0: At first, um, even even two, three months ago, I was like, nope, not ready to share anything about my colostomy. Um, but once I had that conversation with my doctor, uh, two weeks ago, I'm like, and he explained everything. Um, I was like, it was like, the, the, the depression went away. Um and I was more accepting, um, knowing that I had a colostomy, um, and that's why I was able to open up about it in the group that I'm in.
1: Danny, I don't know if I want to get that deep as much as you are. I mean, I've shared it publicly in some way or another, but I haven't really ever shared some of my real feelings about it. Like, I've I don't know. I in sixth grade. I'll, okay, I'm I'll, gonna I'll be open about this. Let it all on the table, right? Be real. Yeah. So, sixth grade, I start smelling it. I tell my friend next to me, um, you know, "I think I want to cut this stoma off." I literally felt that that upset about it. Yeah. But I wanted to cut my stoma off. Mm-hmm. Let me say that I wanted to cut it off. Yeah. But I didn't because I thought, you know what? God bless me with this hours old into the world. Yeah. And I think we both can say, if you have an ostomy, you can get through this. And exactly. But so like the numbers of those with ostomy are actually increasing. Not only, mm-hmm. numbers, I think the numbers of stories are increasing too. Um, yeah. As they get diagnosed or after months of having it, they're, they're telling their story. Mm-hmm. And so have you connected with any of the ostomy groups too like to to get some guidance and friendship through that
0: no that that was um I talked about this with my therapist um a couple months ago when um when we were first talking about it but at that time I was like i'm not ready i'm not I don't want to talk about it um now um the group that I'm in that I shared this story um, is that a disability group, but that that group to me is more uh, more accepting than uh, any disability group, because it's funny, because you would would think a disability group there, they would be more accepting of uh, different thing, different uh, disabilities and different uh, uh, illnesses, and uh, having having different ways to do things. And from what I can see, they're not. Uh, mm. They always they. It seems like they always have to. One up help you on having a disability
1: and that's what's absurd. wrong with them. That's absurd. Yeah. But that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it is. And it's like, okay. Uh, that's why I haven't really been active in my disability groups as, of, mm-hmm. um, as much as I was. Um, that and plus because every other post was about the pandemic. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't Need to know any more about this pandemic, so yeah, I.
1: No, sorry. Go ahead.
0: So I, I stuck to the group that I'm in now, um, which I said was in, which is an, a disability group, but um, they are open to me. Um, me. Open, open about um, me sharing whatever I wanted about my disability, and so I've been posting like crazy.
1: Danny, uh, I think you're opening a door to something where I could say, that yes, there are power struggles within the disabled community just as much mm-hmm. as anywhere else. And mm-hmm. why I feel it's important to mention that is because let's face it, the average person looking at a disabled person or a disabled community, oh, look, they're nice people, they're this, and we are. Okay. How do I say this? We're, we're for the most part, a very awesome community. Mm-hmm. We are very cool. Um, and also you and I aren't as part of the community because we, we like to live out our disability and not so much constantly talk about it. Exactly. That makes sense. We live it out. We, we are part of the world. We're not yeah. sitting behind a keyboard most days saying this, that, and the other. We're out there. So I feel very disconnected from the community at that point. But where I feel connected is that we have to smash stigmas. We have to smash the stigma that you don't have to pity us because we're just as rough and tumble as you are, pal. You know, exactly. Message out for. So yeah, I mean that's just that's what it is. And now, do I? Of course, I love when someone helps out. But again, it's like, well, okay, we see this video of someone helping out a disabled person. What was the true motive of that help? Yeah, exactly. Is it a genuine proposal when you ask a girl with Downs or a guy with Downs out or is it a I'm being part of the community type of thing? Yeah. And personally I guess I will push back when I feel like the the commentary can get a little much. Like I don't think that's soft and I think that's just hey, that's dealing with my health. Why are we joking about my health right now? Type of thing. Yeah. But Um, on the bigger, on the bigger picture, it's like, I'm not going to be with someone who, who, uh, and this is in general, who makes me feel like they're dating me because they feel bad. for me. I'm not ever going to do that. Yeah. I'm never going to settle for that. That does, that's not me. Exactly. have friends that say, well, you know, you're cool and all. And I, you know, I don't know. It just gives off the vibe that they don't do it genuinely. We're, we need genuine. Yeah.
0: And I agree. Um, I'd say nine times out of ten, people help because they feel better about themselves, and oh, I'm a helping a disabled person.
1: I'm a good person. And what do you say to those who try to attempt to do that with you, or do you find that's not a case anymore? Or,
0: you know? Oh no, that's so. Yeah, that's still very much the case, and um, I might move. Nine times out of ten, I'll be like, "No, it's okay, I got it." Um, sometimes I'll I'll let them help me if I really need it, but most times I'm like, "No, I'm good, thanks."
1: I was in the middle of a scene in the park. A couple, I think I told you the story a few weeks ago. <laughs> I had a kid saying, pointing and looking at my leg, and then I swear to God, this was like Curb Your Enthusiasm content right here this older man, like in his 60s, 70s, points yeah. over to me in the middle of the park and says he's missing his left. <laughs> like, what? What? And you're telling <laughs> the old park, see, this missing left, and I'm like, dude, come on right now. And I'm sure that's happened to you, right? Um, or like adults point at your wheelchair or something weird like that.
0: Probably, but Honestly, I don't pay attention to people around me. Um,
1: I used to go about my business. <laughs> By the way, he was on the other end of the bench rolling his eyes and this guy was like, look at this guy. Man. Uh, Larry David, you couldn't write that any better. I mean, <laughs> yep. But it's true that I think there are still sections of sectors of adults that don't get it. That's true. And we're their age, some of them. But then yeah. when they're older, it's like you're 60. How are you thinking like this, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like weird. And just like a story I have, um, not relating to me, but I've watched this. A kid with autism started punching one of his service aides or his aides on a subway platform. Yeah. Guy had a really clamp down on this kid because he was getting too aggressive. This woman across the tracks who knows nothing probably about the autistic community or knows nothing says, "Why are you hurting him?" And I'm like, "This lady, lady, the guy is trained to help this kid, you know." And so it's just amazing how it it every day. And this is 2020, yeah. This isn't a time where you know 1950s. I truly believe it. Or even 1910s, it was probably rare to see a guy with whatever walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, the whole world's out at this point, you know? Exactly. I've got to ask you this, though. So we have um, one more. How do I say this? All right, let me ask you this. People who go on disability, because I feel like this is important yeah. to me. People who go on disability, but probably can still work and still do things that, uh, maybe for a downtime they couldn't, but they can easily get back into it if they want. I just think we have to get people to recognize that those who claim disability may not always be truly disabled.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem.
1: Um. on that, but I, I figured you might have some, some thoughts.
0: Yeah, no, Um, I've heard stories about that. And it's like, we need some, they need to somehow Prove that they have a disability, um, and I know it's that's kind of hard to do. Um, I know you can't really ask for proof, um, because it might be an invisible disability. But let
1: me let me. Clarify. They need something. I mean, yeah, the invisible disability is real. Let's put it that way. Yeah. However, there's probably people out there that say, I'm this, and we're like, uh, you're probably not because we know what this is. Yeah. And so, and I would, I, this is why every time I have a chance, I would encourage people to go to the games, right? So, if you bring these kids at a very young age, like, you know, you were at a young age, but you also had friends who were as young going to these things, right? You had your school supporting you. Yeah. So those moments are great because it's bringing the able-bodied section of the school to, and I really don't like saying the special needs section of the school. That does not sound right to me. It really, it, to me, it's, it's you know, disabled community of the school. Yeah. yeah. And so when you see those kids supporting their friends who are disabled, that's emotional. That's like, that tugs at you. Yep. And we don't, I don't, I don't know if I see it enough at the games. Like, I just wish people would get off Twitter, get off Facebook and just start coming to things that, Hey, if you really feel like, okay. If you're upset, Trump bullied a kid, a person who's disabled. And by the way, these are the same people who yell at me for stuff. And it's like, first of all, if you're going to put yourself out there as any kind of reporter or any kind of talking head, which I don't feel like I am, I'm not their podcast But whoever puts something out there will be deemed for criticism. Now, Trump take it too far? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never. Um, To then uh, say, well, you're disabled, so you must hate that he did this. Well, what if I'm very indifferent because I've experienced stuff before, you know? Yeah. What if I'm indifferent because I know that someone who's disabled and doesn't shut up, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be up for some kind of criticism. Which yeah. honestly, this guy who wrote the Times article was up for. I got to say that right here and now. He was up for that. Mm-hmm. And so um, the point I'm trying to make though is that those who are upset at that, they still won't go to the games for physically challenged. No matter yeah. how many times we tell them, oh, wait, what? You're upset about that. great. You're upset about pre-existing conditions being cut. Yes, we don't want that funding to be cut. No. Do not sit behind your computer and just say that this is happening because of Trump or this is happening because of this. It's happening. That's what it is at the moment. But if you're going to put the blame on someone, which seemingly is happening more every day, Mm -hmm. take it upon yourself to go and see what's actually going on. Go out there and make a difference. Exactly. And the March for Fifth Avenue, I've never really done the the Disability Pride Parade, but I'm sure it's good. But I also believe that we can live out our disability and, I mean, marching is great, but what can we do after that? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, because we have a lot of smart minds. I mean, just my Viscardi graduate class alone. Yeah. Got friends, you know, Max works as a security guard. He He's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. City. Adeline was the state department for a while. I mean, all these people who graduated, um, did something, and uh, and they. I think that class serves an example of what we could do in society, and we need to talk more. Yeah. How about you? So, in your school, were you sort of lumped in with everybody, or did you they, were, did they put you in a section with the special needs? Where were you when you went to school?
0: Okay, so. Elementary school, okay. So, uh, let's go all the way back to preschool, uh, kindergarten. Um, I went to a uh, special needs school, Post-Discord um, Road in Massapequa, mm-hmm. um, For uh, nursery, preschool, and kindergarten. Um, grade school, whatever. But after kindergarten, they said to me, they said to my parents that I should not be in that school. I'm too, I'm too smart for that school. Sure. And I should be in a regular school. Um, so um, when, so when first grade came around, I started in a regular, mainstream elementary school. But um, because I'm coming from a special needs school, Mm -hmm. um, they decided to start me in special ed class, Mm -hmm. uh, first grade class, um, just so I can get used to being um, in a regular school. So, from first grade to the middle of second grade, I was in the special ed, and then they transitioned me over to a regular mainstream class, and um, I I was um welcomed with open arms. No one uh, bullied me or anything, but I think that's because. The elementary school that I went to, um, there were a lot of um, special ed classes. Um, So the able-bodied people uh, were used to us um, seeing us around. So um, that's why I don't think I've ever gotten bullied or anything like that. And then um, throughout my school years, I was actually pretty popular with everyone, and I knew right. everyone
1: you got that wit you got everything going for you, so I'm not surprised about that,
0: yeah, I knew everyone and everyone knew me I was um okay in my in my school, there was no clicks, everyone knew each other, everyone liked each other for the most part um so i fit in, fit in with everyone. And I had a great
1: school experience. Well, that's awesome you were able to experience that. And again, how do I say this? It's like you didn't, you just acted as if you were, you were like one of the normal cool kids. (laughs) Say, well, look at me. You said, no, I'm having this. I got this. I love this. And take me or leave me is kind of how I feel. Yeah. But were you talking, like, from ages... When did you really start talking and and not and shut up? No, just kidding. Oh.
0: Actually, that that actually is a funny story. Um, so I was a late, late talker. Um, I didn't talk until I was about three years old. Um, and it was because of my um, one of my best friends from preschool. His name is Um, He got me to talk. He, one day he just started talking to me, and I it back. And from there on, I never shut up.
1: And that's a good thing. We don't want you to shut up, Danny. Uh, yeah. you
0: know? Although I will, I will say, um, mm-hmm. back in two thousand fourteen, because of a because of a medical uh, issue from surgery, I did, I didn't lose the ability to speak for like three months so technically I did shut up for three months but after that
1: I never stopped that's that is awesome um yeah I don't know and by the way Terrell Pierre is who you're talking about right which Terrell are, are you talking about? yeah I know you know him yeah 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 well I think I, went, I think that's a good one to Viscardi with but, uh, yeah yeah so we're all connected in that way and that's what I want to ask you about next we have these platforms. We always are talking. We we do stay active on all of them, yeah. Instagram for a minute. And I find this on TikTok that there's a community on TikTok where you can literally bond with people who are disabled and amputee. And yeah, I'm not an amputee, but they kind of get where I'm coming from. Anyway, what about you? Do you find that you have communities in the Instagram world off of Facebook? Um, mostly mostly Facebook,
0: Um okay. because uh, there's actual groups uh, for disabled people. Um Instagram I found uh, a few uh disab- disabled people that I um but there's only one um follower of mine that I follow him too um uh, who I actually communicate with over DM on Instagram.
1: And by the way, um, on that note, what can the platforms themselves do better to give a bigger voice to the disabled community that we don't already have? Um, I think, um,
0: that's a good question. It's, that's kind of hard, I especially Instagram, because Instagram, um, you just follow people, so um but like facebook um uh I mean there's so many so many disability groups um, already um but I think like um uh, you know, so I know sometimes uh, Facebook highlights uh different um yeah. holidays and. Different movements and everything. I think they need to highlight, um, like the eighty-eight month more, um, yeah, and actually more um, disability and more like people who are like famous in the disability community, like um, um, that that um, that extreme wheelchair uh, guy uh I following him. Okay. Um he he it's basically, basically uh what he does is basically he's like a he's a he's like a skateboarder but only in a, in a chair. So oh, he does I he one? does all the skateboard stuff in a chair.
1: That's sick. That's very yeah. By the way, adaptive sports is incredible, isn't it? Like I don't know if you ever tried it, but I love adaptive sports. And um, we used to do it; they used to do it all the time: softball, ice hockey, or sled hockey, I should say. Yeah. Do any adaptive sports?
0: Um, I haven't done uh, any of them, but when I was in elementary school and middle school, um, every year in March, um, they would have um, the Nassau Kings play the uh, elementary school teachers and I would go to the games uh, um, and I would actually um, play in the game as an honorary king. So. Because I know um um what is it? Not uh or? oh what the hell is his name? I'm drawing a blank.
1: Uh, from the Nassau Kings. Yeah. Huh. I'm not from uh, that.
0: Team. He's a he's a basketball coach, right? he's called it. oh Joe Salonica, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, because I knew him personally because of the Spina Bifida Association.
1: He let me play member on that in the game. Yep, he just became a board member for the New York State Spina Bifida, which is which is awesome. Oh, nice. So, wow, we're going down memory lane, and let me keep you there for a minute because another big part of your life that I think. And I've only known him for a few years, but judging the way you talk about them, we can't let this conversation end or stop without talking about Camp Anchor. I mean, that is... Yes. Yes.
0: And that's how you know Max, right? That's how I know Max. 18 years.
1: So you want to elaborate? What did they do to empower you and make you feel as normal as you could?
0: Well, okay. So... All my life, I've never, let like, my disability, uh, uh, lead my life. Um, I always let my personality do that. Um, so, going to, um, Anchor, I, well, I need, I needed to do something during the summer, um, because I, mom didn't want me to, you know, sit home and do nothing so when i was uh eight or nine um i joined camp bank um actually my mom got and dad, uh got me on the waiting list because there's a long waiting list um a couple of years before that and i finally got accepted um in the summer of 1999 and I instantly fell in love with it because it's on the beach, Mm. Um, I got to go in the ocean, I got to go in the pool, Um, and just the people there are amazing. Um, Of course, all the campers are all disabled, but all the staff and volunteers are able-bodied. um, but um, they never um, treated any, they don't treat the campers like they have a disability. They, they treat them equally. Of course, um, the campers who have developmental disabilities, of course, they need to treat them a little differently. But at the same time, they don't treat them uh like babies making them like unequal.
1: Danny, if alumni of Camp Anchor want to stay involved, can they?
0: Uh yes, so, um we you can we can always I can always donate to Anchor. Um I personally um they don't I don't think they wouldn't, they can, they do allow um, some people, um, people, home campers to be like a volunteer. I would not do that. I would never do that. I I would, when I was in high school, um, because that's, uh, the age that you start volunteering, um, I was approached by, by my guidance counselor, and she's like, why don't you volunteer at night, Grandma? Like, no, because first of all, I don't want to look after the other campers. I want to actually enjoy my summer. I mean, I would enjoy it, but I would also be looking after campers. I don't want that responsibility during the summer.
1: Sure. I
0: want to be having fun. Uh, and I had to worry about um campers getting in trouble and all that stuff um so I never um never wanted to be a volunteer or staff member um but I know one person who wasn't a camper who became a volunteer um mm-hmm. and she, she was able to do it just fine um
1: so the option is open though, I guess is my question for people that want to
0: do it. Yeah, we um so I guess um people can people who are former campers can uh volunteer there. Um it's just uh the administration there are strict and they don't Budge on certain things, but um that one person was lucky I guess
1: that's awesome and um I was just thinking that uh, yeah it it was great now when you see you, you said a, a couple minutes ago you said this uh, by the way, where can people find out about anchor what's the website just, yeah. it is um campan and i'll I'll put that in the little chapter section of. Of this pod, so people can go to it. I think they should know about it because it's impacted two of my yeah. in my life, Danny and uh, Max. Many of my colleague friends went to South Air Fresh South Fresh Air. I don't know if you ever tangled yeah, there, but
0: um, I know a few people who went there.
1: And uh, it was, I heard it was two different kind of experiences. I guess from what I get uh, on both camps. Um, uh, well. From what
0: I know about uh, Fresh Air is um, that's a sleepaway camp. Um, Whereas Anchor is a day camp.
1: Um, But I don't know much more beyond that. Got it. Well, I I had um, not gotten the opportunity. I didn't take up the opportunity to, to do camp, so that was my loss, but I guess we just I grew up a little later than most. I feel like people who went to camp grow up quicker um, than some who don't. I don't know. That was just my experience. <laughs> anyway, um, Danny, this is some, uh, a couple minutes ago of your mom telling you, you're not going to sit in this house. You're going to go out and do something. Yeah. I, I want to focus on like the what seems to be sometimes people are... How do I be politically correct? I don't know. I just think sometimes the whole mommy's basement thing and that whole idea of staying in, staying inside. And that is a real thing. I think there are people who do do that. Yeah. And I mean this on the able-bodied side too. And so when you see that, or when you see someone who just kind of sitting there and, and not really moving around doing, and perfectly could move around. Yeah. Drive you absolutely nuts.
0: It does. Um. People like that, I really don't associate myself with them because I am active. Well, okay, not right now, but um, I, I'm usually active. So um, I, I might. Okay, if you're not gonna do anything, I'm not gonna associate myself with you.
1: Very. See that that is a positive outlook. Um, and again, it's it's one of those self worth things, right? Like, yeah. who isn't that kind of situation? I think would say, "Oh, this guy's disabled. He kind of gets where I'm coming from, right?" Yeah. I roll that on one leg. I don't get where you're coming from. I, <laughs> you were out there. You were feeding the ducks during the pandemic. You don't know where those people uh, are coming. Yeah. From. And that has to be said. <laughs> that has to be said. Yeah. After. Um. But and this and the trans able movement that's one that also drives me drives me crazy. But um, trends and whatever. I want to know something, though. Do you think down the road, Danny, we're seeing this cancel culture all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people say, there. I mean, there is a sort of a debate. Do we call ourselves differently abled or disabled? I personally like both terms. I yeah. like differently because I think it it, um, it changes it. We've even yeah. seen baseball take away the disabled list for something else. Isn't that, that to me is ridiculous. I get where they're coming from. It's kind of ridiculous though. But what do you think? Could the name disabled actually be changed to something more sort of softer, I guess you would say?
0: Uh, With the way way things are going in this world, I think so. I I don't agree with it because people, I feel like people are too, Afraid of uh, uh, of offending people um, nowadays. And it's like, just call it what it is. Well, that's we're disabled. What's we're the power? We're disabled, we're thing. crippled. We're disabled, we're crippled.
1: They're just words. But they mean something. That's why um, people actually prefer you not to say. Differently able because I think they feel it takes away from that. I think it's an empowering yeah. term, but I know that some in the community don't think it is.
0: Yeah, I know. This a way of, I totally agree with um, because it's true. We, we do find different ways to do things. But
1: well, you know, have agree to. With it being the norm because you're disabled, I guess. It's just the feeling. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, At the same time though, we do want to empower our abilities. So creative with the term to say, we're not actually disabled. We have a disability, but we also have the ability. How do we get people to understand those balances?
0: That's hard. uh, Because I honestly don't think um, everyone is going to understand or will never understand That even though we have a disability, that we're able to do things, Um, and that's
1: that's
0: just reality. Is that's that's reality.
1: And not
0: not everyone's gonna understand, and we just have to accept
1: that. Um, yeah, I'll ask this question you ever find, and I know you disassociate from people who might think like this, but in your experiences of trying to be social, trying to socialize, yeah. did you ever find someone that said, I'm superior than everybody else over here because I'm giving this kid with a disability a friendship? Like, did you ever find that kind of attitude or not really? Oh, yeah, I
0: have. Um, not, not that blunt, but I've had, people from Anchor actually, volunteers who became friends with me and Max Um, and and we genuinely thought this this one guy in particular was our friend. Um, He always was uh, hanging out with us um at anchor, and then once anchor, and then you know we we kept in touch with him, and we hung out with him outside of anchor a few times, but um as the years went on um, we and any time that me and I wanted to hang out with him, he would either. Say no right away, or say I'll see I'll see what um what the weekend brings um, and I'll let you guys know. And literally the day before our hangout, we would have to hunt him down and be like, "So, are you gonna hang out with us or not?" And then it would always nine times out of ten, it would always be no.
1: You're
0: telling so you're kind of like an a anchor facade in other words. Yeah, so um there are people at Anchor who are just uh who just put on a, a, a mask uh of being friendly towards us because we are just disabled.
1: Hmm
0: and not because we will not want to actually be friends.
1: That's just messed up. I know. That is up. <clears throat> up, Danny. But when you talk about this, does it feel relieving to actually get it out there? Or, I mean, you're very open about it, so obviously you feel like you have to talk about it. So does it feel relieving to get it out there?
0: It does. I've, I've talked about it a few times um, to different people, and each time I do, it feels good.
1: Well, now you're going to be heard on Apple Podcasts, so congratulations. No, um, I have really loved this combo. I feel like I've gotten to know you more than just our random chats about whatever's happening in the yeah. world. Yeah. Which is fun, but I really feel like I'm getting to know Danny, and I hope others who are listening this do, too. And um, this Abilities Month, uh, what do you feel... Uh, yeah, what do you feel your abilities are to survive, to, to make, to enable you to be part of the society to this day through sixty-five surgeries, through all the stuff and hell and back? You're here. Hey, okay. Six, 62, not 62. sixty-five. Sorry, sixty-two. But all of those surgeries combined, you're still here. So, what what keeps you going? What is your ability? What is your what it enables you to be here today?
0: Honestly, um, it's my support system. Mm. Everyone in my life that has been with me, the people who have been with me since the beginning up until the people that I have met even a few
1: months ago. Mm. That's powerful. And you're very good at keeping friendships going, so kudos on that one. Yeah. All right, Danny, well, If I think of more questions, I'll definitely hit you up and do this. We'll definitely do this again. But thank you for being the second episode of the Abilities Hour. This has been really awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm Alex Kerr. We'll talk to you soon.